Hello everyone, my name is Nora. And my name is Yashi. Welcome to our first episode of Acceptance Matters, a podcast recently started by South Brunswick High School's Youth to Youth and Students for Public Health Clubs. This podcast's aim is to discuss the various social issues within our school and community and acknowledge the various struggles that everyone is facing. In today's episode, we will be talking about the Black Lives Matter movement in regards to the death of George Floyd, about the recent march at the Crossroads Middle Schools. We are fortunate enough to have the opportunity to speak to SBHS alumni Essence Baker and Jada Raid, the two girls who organized the march. We're also lucky to be joined by Samuel Manson, a rising sophomore and member of the Public Health Board. Samuel, alongside Yashi and I, will be interviewing Jada Ray and Essence. That being said, we hope you enjoy today's podcast. Hands to the heavens, no man, no weapon. Formed against, yes, glory is destined. Everyday women and men become legends. Sins that go against our skin become blessings. The movement is a rhythm to us. Freedom is like religion to us. Welcome, everybody. I'm Mr. Millman. Nurse Maureen is with us today. We have some students. We've been putting together podcast, Acceptance Matters. Uh, we're looking forward to inviting some guests today. We have two alumni, Essence Baker and Jada Ray Poku. And we're very excited to have those two with us. We also have Samuel Yubois Manson, and we have two current students, Yashi and Nora, with us. We're really excited to hear about South Brunswick March for Justice, and maybe you could tell us a little bit about what happened. So I want to turn it over to our couple of our hosts here, Yashi, Nora, and Samuel. Hey everyone, my name is Nora. I am currently a junior at South Brunswick High School. I am a member of our school's Incorruptibles Public Health and Youth to Youth Clubs, and I hold a leadership position in all three. I'm excited to come on here today and talk to Essence and Jada Ray. And with that being said, Yashi, I'm going to turn it over to you. Hi everyone, my name is Yashi. I'm a current junior at South Brunswick High School. I carry a leadership role in Incorruptible Us and the Public Health Club. I'm also in the Youth Youth Club and I'm really excited to talk about this very relevant topic. So I want all of our guests to introduce themselves, uh, starting with Jada Ray. Thank you, Yashi. Hi guys, my name is Jada Ray Poku. I'm a fellow South Brunswick High School alumna. I graduated back in 2015. And currently now I'm working, I studied at Rutgers University um, in the fitness world. And I'm very excited that you guys invited me to join you on today's podcast episode to talk about what's going on currently in regards to racial injustice. Hi everyone, I'm Essence Baker. I am also a South Brunswick alumna. I graduated in 2018. I currently attend Howard University, which is in Washington, D.C., I'll be a rising junior this fall, and I am a nursing major, and I also run track at the university. And I just want to say thank you for having me. I can't wait to see what's in store for today, and I'm happy to be here. Hello, everyone. My name is Samuel Yubal Manson, and I'm currently a freshman at South Brunswick High School. I'm a part of the Public Health Club, 
and uh, Incorruptible Us, I will be a part of the board of Public Health Club next year. And I'm just glad to be a part of this podcast because the issues that we're talking about are just so important and relevant that we address them in today's world. That sounds awesome. Thank you everyone for your introductions. So Samuel, if you would like to take a lead on the questions, so take it away. I'm sure we all know about the protests that happened, I believe on Friday. Essence and Jada Ray were the ones who I believe put it together. So I would just like to ask both of you, how did you guys put together such a well-organized and thoughtful protest in such a short amount of time? Well, Samuel, it actually took a lot of work. We had to email many people, influential people in the area. Like we had Cancer Rockman. We spoke with the superintendent, Mr. Fetter. We spoke with pastor, a singer. We had a spoken word given at our thing. But we, it, was, it was a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I wasn't able to be there in person, but from all the media that I saw covering the protests, it just looked really well thought out and well put together. So about the issue of that you guys are protesting for in the first place, what is something that you would like to say about the Black Lives Matter movement? Because after all, the reason that you all were protesting was because of the social injustice and police brutality that have been affecting African-Americans for years. So if you would just give us basically a quick rundown on the Black Lives Matter movement. Piggybacking off of what Essen said and tying it in together, one of the reasons why we felt it was really important to have a march specifically in South Brunswick as opposed to all the other locations was because A, we both uh, went to school in this town. And as you guys know, we have a very diverse student body and faculty for the most part at South Brunswick High School with a lot of people being Caucasian. We have Asian, we have few uh, African-American and Black and Hispanic and Latina. But with such a diverse crowd, a lot of times there's ignorance and sometimes it's not intentional, but sometimes it can be. So we wanted to make sure that we were heard in our own community and not just in urban cities such as Newark or Camden, where you have probably seen a lot of marches and protests taking place, but to let people know that there's minorities everywhere and the message should be heard everywhere and not specifically in urban communities because obviously living in an urban community you face uh, the issues on a regular basis but living in the suburbs or more rural parts you're not necessarily aware if you're not dealing with what's happening directly Um, so that was one of the main reasons why we even chose to start the march in South Brunswick and host one in South Brunswick And tying that into the movement and what Black Lives Matter is all about is it's pretty simple. Black Lives Matter. Um, Right now, you're just seeing a lot of instances where people of color and Black lives specifically are being killed for very frivolous reasons, some being absolutely none. There's a fear sometimes associated with somebody being Black and the color of their skin which should not be there or present at all. And that's really the main message. It stems from that. Like We need to see people as people and not attach a stigma 
or something derogatory just because of the color of somebody's skin. And I think right now, the reason why everybody is a little bit more woke, so to say, is we're all at home. So everybody's been stuck at home, on their phone, checking social media 24-7. So as soon as something happens, it doesn't take three months for the word to get out. Everybody's home and it's very accessible. Uh, The younger children are now having social media profiles at such a young age. So I just feel that everyone had the time, which is kind of sad to think about, that we all had to be home and have the time to actually care. That's what it took just for this to explode and for people to really wake up and realize what's been happening for hundreds of years. So that would be my stance on the Black Lives Matter movement. I totally agree in the sense that police brutality has been something that's been happening for so long. And I guess that now that it's happened with uh, George Floyd, for instance, I just wanted to know what you think, the reason that uh, George Floyd's death, uh, Breonna Taylor's death, Ahmaud Arbery's death, what, what do you think made those deaths a lot more impactful? In the sense that other deaths have been impactful, but what made these deaths really like a tipping point for the Black Lives Matter movement? I believe what made these killings more aware is the fact that the police officer was was on George Floyd's neck for a total of eight minutes and 46 seconds. And the whole world got to see that happen and see what Black people face every day of their lives. And the fact that Breonna Taylor, she was killed in her home. In her home, she wasn't doing anything. And the police came and shot her multiple times while she was at home. That also made people more aware of what is happening to Black people. And Ahmad Arbery, he was jogging, jogging, and he got shot and killed, and people did not care. So I think that's what made people more aware that the fact of what's going on around in this world and all the problems that people my color face. Yeah, I agree with Essence. I also just believe that social media is not just to connect with others, but it's a very big platform where myself and many people find information on what's happening currently. And again, with everyone just being home, sitting on their phones, uh, everybody was able to see it, like Essence said, his this death all these deaths and murders have just been visible to everybody accessible to everybody no matter your age all you have to do is have a twitter or an instagram and you can see and witness what's happening i also think it was just time like enough was enough as essence said people have been jogging and shot in their homes and shot this isn't really a new story it just happens to be a new name All these instances have happened countless times where person of color, the black person was not at fault at all. It was just a mishap and it gets swept under the rug. But having these videos holds people accountable because now we've seen the person who's killed and we've seen the person who was killed as well. And people are waiting for justice to be served or some form of action to take place. Before, it was very easy to sweep things under the rug and go about your business. But right now, like I said, everyone's home, everybody's watching, and we're all waiting for justice to be served.
So I just wanted to quickly interject and ask a little follow-up question. So we were talking about social media and how everyone has so much access to it and how we can use that to educate ourselves. But there was one instance, I believe Blackout Tuesday, where people on Instagram or their various social media platforms would would post a picture of a black screen. And, and a lot of people were claiming that it wasn't doing enough. People just wanted to be associated with believing the right thing. They, it wasn't even impacting people. So what's your stance on that? What was, what was the deal with the whole Blackout Tuesday? And how do you think it could have done better? Like, would, would it have been better if people linked resources, linked petitions? Or um, was the Blackout screen, like, enough? I'm just going to say that posting a black screen on your Instagram story is not going to do anything. Honestly, all it does is just clog up everyone's timeline. And the hashtags that they were using were pushing vital information that people needed for petitions and likewise, all the way to the bottom. I would say, number one, link resources, petitions to your uh, bio wherever you can. Maybe share information, educate people. Educating people is a big factor because there's no way that we can overcome this struggle of racial inequality until people actually know what's going on. So I would say post on your story, like post petitions, post GoFundMe pages. Just try to do what you can in any way you can to educate your fellow peers or people on your story. I agree with Sam said because the point of Black Out Tuesday was to make people aware of all the social injustice issues that is going on right now. So by you posting petitions, GoFundMes, it makes people aware of everything that's going on. It makes people want to go to those pages. And also even posting like voting date, that is how things change, you know? You have to go out and vote in order to see change. Yeah, because honestly, I feel like some people are just doing the Black Lives Matter thing as sort of a trend. It's just unbelievable that someone would just use as a trend because there are people that I know that just post a screen and then after sit quiet. So I would just say follow up, post links, post resources, any way you can. Just try to help out. I agree with both of you on that. My stance on the Blackout Tuesday is mixed because I think that it was sort of rushed in planning. (laughs) This could just be me being someone who likes to plan every single second of every day. I think the whole point of posting the black screen wasn't to deter people from viable information that could help them actually incite change, but I think it was just to stand united and say that we're standing with you in solidarity and just to see it was like supposed to be a break from all social media, essentially. So in that regard, I liked the idea of just like taking a break. I myself am a local influencer um, in terms of fitness. So for that time, a lot of the fitness influencers, bloggers, nobody posted their uh, own agenda or information on their page. And instead, they had the option to post the black screen, which is just saying like, we acknowledge what's going on. and. Uh, We're in support of you. And I do realize that some people just posted it just because everybody was posting it. But I feel like that is, it can be used, uh, it could be beneficial to some extent because for somebody who only follows fitness accounts or bloggers, and then they all of a sudden come on on that Tuesday and saw all black screens, they're going to ask the question like, what's going on? Why is this happening? And that incites uh, some education on that on that platform, but I do realize like some people were tagging Black Lives Matter under the post and 
I myself also made the mistake in the beginning and then had to correct it. But they were trying to make sure that information and petition signing, like you guys said, were under the Black Lives Matter hashtag and not under the Blackout Tuesday. So I saw the benefit in Blackout Tuesday, but I do realize how it could have been not helpful, so to say, in getting change and getting action from certain people. If I may uh, interject for real for a real quick second and just ask uh, something that just came up to me, um, I've seen that a lot of um, media outlets, uh, like to give a couple of examples, Discord, um, Reddit, and a YouTube channel by the name of the Dodo. Um, what they've done is they've taken their logos and they've changed them from their normal colorful palette to be um, completely black and white. And uh, from what I've heard, that's supposed to be in support of the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, so what exactly do you think of that? Do you think that it helps in any sort of way? Yeah, I think there's a benefit to it. Like I said, I think it's more just saying hey, we acknowledge what's happening and we stand with you. And that's one of the first steps. You want to get action, you want to get change, but first you have to get awareness. And I think that was what we didn't have before COVID and everyone being in quarantine. We didn't have enough awareness. But with something like this, everyone is able to see your icon um, or your profile image. And it shows that, hey, this brand is acknowledging what's happening and that's the first step yeah i agree with jedere i think that it starts a conversation so it's just a good way to start a conversation with maybe people who don't already know about the movement itself so building off of the black lives matter movement what would you guys have to say to people who because of the black lives matter movement say things like all lives matter or blue lives matter in regards to police if you want me to be totally honest, I do not agree with the term all lives matter because how do all lives matter when black lives don't even matter yet? Do you like, do you guys get what I'm saying? Black. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah totally. I totally get it. Yeah, like if black people are out here getting killed because of the color of their skin, how do they matter? That's my question for everybody. How do they matter? And at that point, how do all lives matter if we cannot matter? Yeah, I think people who quick are quick to rebuttal the remark black lives matter with blue lives matter or all lives matter are missing the entire message like essence said in order for all lives to matter they should <laughs> and right now they don't so you're just projecting i want to say and you really have to just sit back and understand why we're highlighting black lives matter and i've seen a lot of this on Instagram, if only goldfish are dying in the sea and there's all different sorts of fish, we shouldn't say, oh no, like stop killing all fish. Only the goldfish are dying. So that's who we're going to focus on at this point in time. We're not saying that the yellow fish or the red fish don't matter. We're just saying the goldfish are dying right now. And I think that's how you have to look at it. It's not about it's not dismissing anything else. It is just solely highlighting and shedding light on a specific group of people. So if you can't swallow that and understand that, then you need to change uh, the way you're viewing the situation because it's not a target to blue lives when you say that statement. And it's not a target to white lives or 
any other life. It is just highlighting the fact that black people are in need and they're not getting the help. We're not getting fair treatment. We're not getting the help we need. Honestly, before this whole black, before the Black Lives Matter movement, I never really heard anyone say all lives matter, blue lives matter. So I was just thinking that if it takes the oppressed group to speak up about how they're being unfairly treated by the police and to for you to say that all lives matter, then it's not really a valid case in the first place. Exactly. I, I, I want to piggyback off what Jada and Samuel both said. I feel as though if you are a person saying all lives matter, I feel like you are part of the issue because you guys do not recognize, well, people do not recognize their privilege that they have. Like there is such thing as white privilege that many people don't realize that they have and they do not realize that black people are out here being oppressed. Another analogy that I heard of was um, when some person, when someone is really sad, you approach them and you try to help them. You don't say like, oh, there's so many other people in this world that are sad, sadder than you. You don't. They're sad. That- yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't act like yeah. towards them. So like in that analogy with the goldfish, I heard that too. And I was like, that that's true. Like at this point, like the stuff that's coming out is common sense. I guess we just all have to kind of like get on with the movement. Like just realize that there's like day-to-day stuff that's going on that shouldn't be going on. Exactly. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I agree with Yashi too. The movement has, I would say that it's brought about a lot more, first of all, a lot like more people showing support, but it's also brought out a lot of hate that's been hidden in our country. So mm-hmm. what would you guys like to say to people that are going through the hate, like being bullied by other people because of their stance on the Black Lives Matter movement? I want to be totally honest. When planning our event, we asked for donations like a couple of local stores and but i went to this one store in the area and i asked for a donation and the the manager said to me i don't know if we are actively supporting this idea right now like this this touchy subject right now and i it kind of caught me off guard like how can you not support something that's so wrong in america but then i went to the other store that's part of the chain and they had no problems with donating i was i was a little bit baffled like this is who you have representing your store. Yes, going off of like the hate that's been coming out of it. Um, so there's a slur that can that is used for Black people. I'm sure you guys know as the N word. It's been used for hundreds of years to oppress Black people. All of that. So there's been a lot of talk lately about the N word and who's allowed to say it, who shouldn't say it. And I just want you uh, your opinion about all of that? Uh, Yeah, so I'll start. I'll be honest and say I probably have an unpopular opinion regarding who can and can't use the N-word. I think right now uh, we're at a place where there's the version that's a hard E-R and there's the soft A. And right now in pop culture, especially for the younger generation. It's in a lot of music. And that term, when you use it in uh, the soft A uh, variation, I'll say, there, it's just another word, so to say, like, you know, calling a friend or something like that. When it comes to that sort of uh, conversation and you're using it in that regard personally, I am not offended by it personally. 
Um, I think it's everywhere and that's why a lot of people feel comfortable using it. However, if you are purposely calling someone that in retaliation to something that you don't like that they did or as like a, like to, to what was you sort of situation, then it's completely unacceptable. I don't agree with using it as a racial slur. So I would say that I have an unpopular opinion. I don't think you can say, oh, if everybody's listening to this rap song, only the black people can say that part of the song or, you know, nobody else can say that part of the song when it's just so out there. But when we turn to that hard ER, like that word has very, uh, a very deeply hatred uh, you, association with that word. And, would you say you like know, a derogatory history, term? Yeah, exactly. That mm-hmm. would be using it in a derogatory term. And it comes from, you know, going back to slave days. Like that word was used to hurt people. And I don't agree with the fact that black people have sort of gone off of the derogatory term and made it uh, more socially acceptable or essence if you want to expand on the question then you can if i'm being honest i do not agree with people saying the n-word even black people because it goes back to the slave days but it, it happens every time i hear a white person say it, it makes me cringe because i'm like do they realize what they're saying how degrading and how degrading it feels like honestly one of my friends her friend said the n-word and i was just i looked at my friend like you're not going to sit here and correct her it made it made me question like you're really just going to let your friend sit here and say this and then i was like who am i to say something to this girl because obviously her own friends aren't going to sit here and correct her so who am i to say something to her i'm like a nobody to this girl you know but i just feel like it's a very degrading word that shouldn't be used but of course it's going to be used so what I'm getting is it's different for every person then, I, I assume? Yeah, I would say that the general rule of thumb is like, if you're Black, then don't, if you're Black, then say it, but if you're not Black, then don't say it. And off of what Essen said, I've actually heard the N-word like being used in school or like around by non-Black people. And it just makes me feel really uncomfortable because the way that they're using it I don't think they understand the weight and the background that that word has. I want to interject real quick because as a person who works in the school and this conversation has come up with regards to staff people and folks have said, you know, students have complained like this kind of language comes up. It's offensive. I'm going to speak from my own personal as a white man. I'm absolutely offended by it. And I can't imagine how somebody of my complexion would even consider saying it. It's so disrespectful. Um, and the historical relationship to it is, it's, it's horrifying. Um, but I will say, how could we address that as a community when that incident happens? And you know, there's scenarios and, you know, people walk by in the hallway, these things happen on the, on the run, maybe nothing happens. But let's say somebody says it, it's offensive. That kid's sitting in a VP's office how do you think it could be addressed? Do you think there's an opportunity to learn from it? How would you, what would you recommend like an administrator do with a student who was in that situation and made that comment? Um, I would say maybe like 
educate them about the issue that's at hand, like maybe tell them that what they're saying is disrespectful and like educate them about the subject. So maybe next time, if they do say it, they think about the weight that that word has because it is a very offensive word. And I think that if they knew that, then they probably would be less likely to say it. Yeah, I believe just, people are just uneducated. That's why they say it. You know, they say it because it's a it's a trend. It's a word that's slang. But if they found out what it actually means, maybe they won't say it, or maybe they will. But if, if they still say it, that proves how ignorant they are. And I don't know, you just can't. Ignorance is bliss. You know, I'm, yeah, I also feel like some people say it because it's a derogatory term, and they're looking to invoke that emotion from you. So I think it should just be, you know, there's no use of this word. If you use it, you get X consequence, like plain and simple. And yeah, you can educate them on the history of that word and why it's not tolerated or like the use of it isn't tolerated. But um, honestly, like if you look at videos today, um, you'll see people use that word because they know the meaning of it and they know that it's not a good uh, word to use and that it's derogatory and they're looking to get some form of reaction out of you. Yeah, I just wanted to add that um, I, to be honest with you, I didn't know the history behind this word. I just knew it was derogatory and offensive, but I didn't know that this was a term that was used um, way back when. And personally, like I'm Indian and whenever I hear someone in the hallway saying that, it doesn't matter who they are, what age they are, what race they are. It doesn't matter whenever someone says that. I don't know why, but I feel uncomfortable. I feel like just being in that environment when someone says that word is just not okay. And I honestly, I don't know how one could approach a person who would say, who could say that because I feel like people who think it's okay to say that word aren't really open to discussion as to why they shouldn't say it. But I definitely agree that we should be educating those people. But yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know how I would approach them. To go back off of what Jada Ray said and Mr. Millman, um, I know, like, usually when people say it, like, over the internet and other people find out, those people actually lose, like, their college, like, acceptances and they do not get into college because of the weight of this word. So I honestly think this is a good consequence because you know what you are doing. You know your actions. So you need to not say it. And if you do say it, these are the consequences. And I don't feel bad for anybody who has these consequences. If I yeah. Can, um, actually yeah, I think that the consequence should be the same, like as if maybe you like punch someone at school because the level of hate behind the word is just so disrespectful. And it's basically the same thing as like hitting someone physically, except you're doing it through words. Yeah, and from a psychological perspective, real quick, um, there there is trauma. I mean, think of the woman who filmed uh, George getting killed, like the impact on that woman's life that uh, is going to happen further. People who've watched it on TV over and over again, watched it on the net, I, I do get very concerned sometimes that the trauma as a result of these events uh, post-traumatic stress symptoms, depression, irritability, anxiety. So I, I think we got to be mindful of this as a community that it impacts people on such a high level mentally and emotionally. Um, I, I've talked to a lot of people 
since since the murder of George Floyd, and I really feel that you know people are really hurt, and I think we need to have a sense of concern for others and need to look out for one another and really kind of keep our eye out for our friends and reach out and uh, make a, com a concerted effort to kind of look out for one another. So I, I just feel, feel, feel real strongly about that, about the trauma as a result of it. Yeah. So um, this is Nurse Maureen. I have a, a question. Mr. Millman just mentioned a lady that filmed uh, George Floyd's death and how it uh, is going to affect her. Uh, what movie could you all suggest that we possibly show for a movie night at uh, the high school through one of our clubs, whether it be um, uh, Youth to Youth or the Public Health Club or Incorruptible Us Group, a movie that um, depicts racial discrimination that we could show that would help educate our uh, students on you know, what's going on. Would, do you have any suggestions? Um, I would say yes. uh, there's a series on Netflix called When They See Us. And it's a true story about uh, the Central Park Five, which if you don't know, it's a group of five black teenagers who were accused of the rape of a white woman, I believe, in New York City. And it just depicts like um, them getting arrested, them being held, um, them being questioned by the police without their parents present, which is not supposed to happen. So I think that that'd be a good movie to um, show, to depict police brutality and the way that the criminal justice system treats African-Americans. There's also a movie called Rosewood. It's a it's a very old movie, um, but it's about how like these black um, a black community built up their community, black businesses, everything's black owned, and white people came and destroyed their community, started lynching. It was about it's a, a bunch of mobs, and that basically shows everything that black people had to face back then. And mm -hmm. also, there's a movie called The Help. I'm pretty sure a lot of people seen it. That shows a lot of injustice in it. Going back to Rosewood, uh, isn't that the area that was actually that actually became Central Park? Like used to be Rosewood, and the the entire town was torn down or built over, and that became Central Park. And and like not a lot of people would know about it, even though it's a very prominent place in New York City. But it also yeah, there's two locations. It also happened, I think, in Atlanta. There's a town, um, the Black. Black, and Tulsa. Yeah, sorry, Tulsa, thank you. Um, the Black Wall Street, they called it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, that's what also a movie. Was the third movie. What was the third movie you had mentioned? We have um, When They See Us, Rosewood, and what was the other one? The Black Wall Street. There's a few Netflix series, if you ever were open to doing that. Um, uh -huh. There's a few there that are very... Uh, they send the message pretty clearly, and they're relatable. Um, one of them is Dear White People. Mm -hmm. That was, was a really good watch. Another one was Seven Seconds, which is closely related to police brutality. That one was a really good one. So those two I would recommend to just to watch as well. I'd also like to throw out there Do the Right Thing from the 19, late 1980s by Spike Lee. I was watching some YouTube videos um, and some influencers were talking about the Netflix documentary called 13th. Um, it, apparently it's very, um, it's Oscar nominated and it educates people a lot about black history. Um, I would have to research a bit more on that, but I think the 13th, it might, I haven't watched it yet, but a lot of influencers have been talking about it. 
Uh, I did have a last question, and I know this is because it's really important, and there's been conversations. So I'm basing some of my questions on some conversations that have been had in the, in the academic community, and I think it's really important. Um, I, I wasn't, I was, and again, I'm putting you on the spot here. Had anybody out there taken uh, the class, race, class, and gender? at our high school, any of the- I did, I took it with Mr. Q. Mr. Quinones, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. What do you guys think about that being kind of immersed into the, like that being a requirement as a freshman, coming in, being exposed? I I am all for it, 100%. Okay. Yeah, I I think- The thing about that class is they even tell you this, they even tell you this class on the first day that a lot of people cannot handle this class. It's very uncomfortable. And it talks about a lot of issues that many people aren't ready for. So I just don't know if we're actually ready, but I feel like this is a conversation that needs to be had. Yeah, it's one so of those uncomfortable conversations you got to push through because it's right, like we're dealing with it right now. We're living through it. So I think even as a freshman, you're old enough, you know what's happening. You're on Instagram, you're on Facebook, you know what's going on. So you should be fully educated about everything. I think it'd be a good way to like educate the school community about what's going on. And I think it'd make the students a little bit more aware of what's happening. I just wanted to um, bring up a point really quickly. So most of the racism we've talked about today on this podcast has been very direct, very outward racism, the N-word, for example, or outright discrimination. But is there a chance that most of the racism that's left in our community is actually somewhat subtle? Because we were discussing this topic in my social studies class just um, a couple of days ago. And we were watching this podcast where a host named Cohen was interviewing a black man named Van Jones. And Van Jones brought up the point that if... George Floyd, if you replaced him with a A white woman, then you would not have had the same outcome because more than likely people would have jumped on the police officer and dragged him away. But for George Floyd, that would not have been the case. So do you got and thinking that situation over, I find even myself thinking that that parallel would be true for me. So I'm thinking like, is there a chance that most of this racism is just stereotypes that we have heard our entire lives and that's, that we're just projecting unconsciously onto the world where we don't necessarily see the full picture because of how we've been raised? Like, we try to keep an open mind, but a lot of the time um, we still have our own subtle ster- uh, stereotypes and our own subtle racism. So do you think that there's any chance that most of the racism that we do have is subtle? I wouldn't Um, say that it's necessarily subtle, but I will say that subtle racism is a big part of one of the issues. Like we're dealing right now, I think the phrase right now of this month has been systemic racism. So it's whether or not you're using the N-word, whether or not, you know, you feel a certain way if you're walking down the street and there's a black man passing by. Like, there's all these things, the way how the system is set up in regards to criminal justice, um, criminal reform. There's many different fronts that we're fighting this issue on. It's not just face-to-face. It's also, like, look at our cities. Are they getting the right food supply? Like, how many times do you see 
you know, McDonald's in a quote unquote hood or a more urban community than you do at, let's say, let's say, take it right to home, South Brunswick. So like it's, there's so many factors and there's so many different styles. I don't really think that there's one that's more than the other. I think it's everything needs to change. Like we have to fight it from each platform, from each area that we're facing it in. Yes. But I do believe there's subtle racism as well. Like just even regards to like, oh, black people change their hair all the time. Did you, you know, what's going on with your hair today? Like all, there's all different forms of it that some people don't realize. It counts. All of it counts. And I think that's the message. That's one of the bigger messages that is getting pushed as well today. Mm-hmm. And um, as like, as we can clearly see, this topic can be talked about, like, in various episodes, and it, we, this conversation doesn't end here. It only begins, but unfortunately, we do have to end this podcast, but thank you so much to everyone who attended. This relevant topic needs to be talked about even more than it is currently being addressed. Um, I want to, uh, Essence, uh, recently logged off so we didn't have a chance to say thank you to her but uh thank you to essence and jada ray for um agreeing to be interviewed by samuel uh nora and i uh so thank you everyone for coming and i hope we all learned something here today or talked about something or asked a question that was really important thank you all so much for tuning into acceptance matters please be sure to follow or subscribe to us in order to avoid missing any future episodes We hope to release our next podcast within the coming months, so make sure you stay tuned. If you or a group you know would like to be featured on our podcast, please contact us at acceptancematters123 at gmail.com. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. All our handles are linked in the description below. We hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast, and we hope to see you again next time.